0: Greetings, everyone, and welcome back to the Mark Fraley podcast. Today is Friday, February 16, 2024, a mild and cloudy day here in Nashville, but spring is on the way. Thanks to Ron Trammell for our exceptional music selection and to Jesse Hendricks Inman for her assistance in making today's program possible. Louisville, Kentucky has an impressive list of iconic events and brands to be proud of. Churchill Downs and the Kentucky Derby, the Louisville Slugger, Baseball Bat, the Belle of Louisville Riverboat, and much more. Not as well known to outsiders, but treasured by the local citizens, is the outstanding city system of city parks, the core of which is a legacy of the famous landscape architect, Frederick Law Olmsted. Olmsted, of course, was first made famous for his contribution to the design of Central Park in New York and for the grounds of the Biltmore Mansion. Many cities across the country have Olmsted parks, but only four cities in the world have an Olmsted design system of parks. Joining us today is Layla George, president of Louisville's Olmsted Park Conservancy. This organization works as the nonprofit partner to the city of Louisville to protect and enhance these historic park areas. Layla gives us a general orientation to the parks, and we discuss some of their noteworthy projects and programs. It's always fun to talk about historic park areas, and so I hope you will enjoy this interview with Layla George. And we will get started right after this brief message.
1: Hi, this is Heather Lose, Editor-in-Chief of the Tennessee Conservationist Magazine. Every year, we publish six beautiful issues packed full of timely and informative stories about Tennessee culture, people, and places. You can stay informed about your world and all the great things happening in your Tennessee state parks. It's easy to subscribe. Just go to our website at tnconservationist.org. Thank you.
0: Layla George, welcome to the Mark Fraley podcast.
1: Thank you. I'm happy to be here.
0: Well, it's nice to see you. Um, we have an, a sunny day, about 60 degrees here in Nashville. How, how are you doing up there in Louisville?
1: It's sunny, but it's not quite as warm. It's probably about mid-50, so, well, uh, yeah.
0: Well, spring is on its way north. So you can That's count on right. that. All right. That's right. So, Layla, thanks for joining me today. Um, yes. I know that you are the uh, executive there at the Louisville Olmsted Parks Conservancy. Yes. And what a wonderful job to have.
1: Thank you. Thank yeah, you. I'm um, lucky to be here.
0: And I want to talk about that in great, in great detail as much as we can do in, in 45 minutes or so. Sure. Um, but as we get started, um, my listeners like to hear about the people that are involved in conservation and historic preservation and parks sure. and, and what, you know, how they got into the work that they're doing. And, and this just doesn't happen to get a great big job like you've got.
1: Yeah. Well, I, um, my former husband and I had a farm and so I was really interested in the local food movement and we did a lot of um, sustainable agriculture practices there as well as land management so I think my ex-husband probably planted about a hundred thousand trees over the course of uh, many many years on that farm so it's always been something that really interests me and appealed to me. Uh, I had a job at Louisville Public Media, which is a uh, non-profit public media organization. I really knew how to fundraise successfully, which is always important for a nonprofit leader. And then I went down to Nashville, where you are, and I uh, received a scholarship from Vanderbilt University to attend their MBA program. Right. So I did that on weekends, uh, every other weekend for about two years. Yeah, drove the, south the, on the, the executive
0: on the- program, as it's called. Exactly.
1: Right, right, yeah, right. And it was an amazing experience, and it really rounded out my skill set. So once I had that under my belt, I was ready to take the next step. And this position opened up at Olmsted Parks Conservancy, um, and all of my previous experience sort of coalesced um, into this great opportunity where I've been for six years now.
0: Right. I noticed that you, that you got in in 2018, just in time for, uh, for the... Uh the the pandemic um
1: exactly exactly <laughs> so we saw unprecedented park usage um, Oh, you
0: bet you bet i'm
1: sure people did everywhere around the country it was also a scary time to be running a nonprofit uh when you're worried about can you continue to pay everyone are people still going right. to donate to right. our organization um and we really were able to weather the storm thanks to a lot of our major donors and um, supporters so
0: so, as we were talking before we got on the air, um, you know, the, the Louisville park system is uh, notable uh, in America. Yes. Uh, and um, because of the involvement of Frederick Law Olmsted, And, and for those, uh, those of my listeners that are fellow park nerds, they'll know mm-hmm. right away who that is. But tell us, yeah. tell, us uh, tell our listeners that might not be that, that aware, who sure. was Frederick Law Olmsted his firm and and uh, get us started in that in that direction.
1: Yeah. well, he really um, changed America. I mean he is sort of the creator of the American Public park. He invented the field of landscape architecture, which is remarkable. Um, he, along with Calvert Box submitted a design for what we now know as Central Park in New York City, which is of course a masterpiece. And from that point on, once New York had Central Park, cities all around the country wanted in on the action. And they wanted parks. Louisville at the time didn't have any. And so our city reached out to Frederick Law Olmsted, invited him here to visit. And that was 1891 when he came here to Louisville. And he had done all sorts of work. He had done you know, the World's Fair at uh, Chicago, which was a big deal. He had designed university campuses university of chicago stanford university in california numerous schools in the northeast um, neighborhood plans and areas around chicago of course um, company sites as well as home sites so he had all sorts yeah, the, of work built more to be the to the uh, was uh, most one of notable, his final huh? projects exactly right, right. so he came here and he had designed at that point Three park systems he did the first one in um, boston which is the emerald necklace as we know it he designed park systems in rochester and then in buffalo and he loved this idea of connected parks with parkways so he always had an idea of what things needed to be in each park but the genius of a park system is that you could spread that usage out among the whole park system you didn't have to have everything in each individual park So we have three flagship parks in three different regions of our city, the south, north, and east. And those different parks, the flagship parks, are all very different. So in the west, we have Shawnee, which was more formal. It was on the river. It had a lot of active recreation. And then we had in the south, Iroquois Park, which was huge. It's about 750 acres. And it was wooded. It was mountainous. It had these really dramatic overlooks. And then he had Cherokee Park in the east part of town, which is about 400 acres, and has a Beargrass Creek Valley. Um, It has a lot of beautiful kind of pastoral beauty that he really appreciated. So they're all very different from each other. And then he connected them with parkways and kind of filled in the urban core with smaller neighborhood parks so people could walk to them. Right. So Louisville, we have really the most complete and fully realized vision of a park system that Frederick Law Olmsted ever designed. His firm worked here for about 45 years, which is remarkable to me. I mean, multiple mayoral administrations and uh, different personalities and budget issues through that course of time, but he started the project and then his son, John Charles Olmsted took over the Louisville project. And continued to design parks um, up until about 1935. Right. Yeah. I
0: think I think listeners would would need to get on online and search for visuals of these parks. But yeah. Uh, in in my in my um, mind's eye, I always envision you know curve big lo- yes. la- large expanses of of grasslands. Yes. Uh, An open meadow and then curved driveways, uh, meandering through the, yes. these uh, open spaces, bringing the, yeah. the, uh, the, uh, the rural setting into the urban setting.
1: Exactly. I mean, the idea is to draw you further into the space, which is the point of kind of some of those meandering walkways. Right. Um, one thing that a lot of your listeners may be familiar with is the entrance to Central Park at the south end where you kind of go downstairs into the park and you really are transported into a different space. And one of our parks is like that. You kind of dip down to get into it and almost immediately you're enveloped with this park and you can't see the houses that are really a stone's throw away and you are transported. Um, right. He created these parks to be a mental and physical uh, break from the city life. You know, when he was designing parks, there was um, coal was the primary source of fuel, certainly in our community. And so the air was dirty. Um, There wasn't weekly trash pickup. So there was sanitation issues, quite honestly. And wealthy people could drive their carriages or go to their farmhouses. But people who lived in the city had nowhere to go. So he created these parks to be a place where the everyday person could escape the of uncleanliness the stress of city life and fun respite within parks
0: you know and and the other uh, i think critical you know over overarching uh, element of of olmstead designs had to do with the separation of spaces so that you if you had to have uh, vehicular traffic it was separated from pedestrian traffic and other uses and all, yeah. these, all these things were delineated so that they wouldn't conflict with one another.
1: Yes. And that's something that we st- see in our parks now, and we see the value of it. Right. Um, one thing that we have had conflicts between different user groups on our natural trails. So it may be people who are riding horses and have the equine trails or mountain bikers or people who are hiking. And... Nobody wants to share the space with people who use it differently. Right. So having separate um, spaces for those different activities can be really important.
0: So the parks that we're speaking of, I guess it's a dozen or more parks.
1: We have 17 in Louisville right, and right. six parkways. So it's they're, a lot.
0: They're in the ownership of the city of Louisville. Yes. And yes. they have their own Department of Parks and Recreation that yes. manages them, does the trash pickup and the exactly. cuts the grass and all that sort of thing um how does a, an organization like yours work with an organization like that it's obviously yeah. to supplement and to do things that they can't do but
1: exactly. tell us more about that um,
0: relationship
1: I think you summed it up I mean we are an extra layer of care for our parks And before the podcast started, you mentioned the tornado that tore through Louisville in 1974. So what happened, it really hit Cherokee Park. Um, 80% of the hardwood tree canopy was decimated. So it was significant. And um, as a result, the city had all this cleanup work and neighbors did not think they were paying enough attention to Cherokee Park or planting new trees as quickly as they should have. So concerned neighbors got together and they formed Friends of Olmstead Parks. There was a number of them who were um, trained in landscape architecture or urban design and they recognized that it wasn't just Cherokee Park that was special, but it was the fact that we had this whole system of parks and a s- system designed by Frederick Law Olmsted. So they petitioned the mayor at the time to create Olmsted Parks Conservancy. They said the city's not doing enough, you need to empower a secondary organization to help. So we were modeled after Central Park Conservancy in New York City, which was founded 10 years prior. Right. Um, and it has been really one of the most successful public-private partnerships, certainly in our community and arguably in the country. Um, we work very closely with the Parks Department. I talk to the head of the department every single day. I'll
0: bet you do. Um,
1: <laughs> and they see it as a benefit right i mean they can't do as much as they wish they could they have um you know restricted resources so we're able to come in and we provide additional funding for projects we have a staff that can help oversee those projects we have a construction manager Um, we also have a team for healthy parks that supplements what they can do in the woodlands in the prairies meadows we maintain the formal landscape beds We organize and oversee volunteer projects. We plant trees, we take care of the trees. So it really does um, enable the Parks Department to kind of spread their resources equitably and for us to ensure that these parks are maintained at a higher level. Right.
0: You know, in in Nashville, um, we have, uh, I mean, many, many wonderful parks. the Warner Parks is, yeah. is, are, are uh, two parks that involve about 5,000 acres or so. And yeah. they have a friends group also. It's called the Friends yeah. of Warner Parks. And they're doing remarkable things there. Uh, it's been a couple of years ago I interviewed their, their oh, yeah. administrator, uh, Jenny Hannon. Um,
1: mm-hmm.
0: Now, also, Centennial Park in Nashville has a, a, its own conservancy group. Mm -hmm. Um, And they're doing dramatic things to revitalize that beautiful old park here in in Nashville. So this is something that's going on around the country with friends groups and organizations. And I
1: would say, if you go to any public park, the ones that are in a better state of maintenance have been invested in, almost all of them have some sort of nonprofit group that's associated, whether they're privately maintained completely or whether they have some sort of friends group um, to help supplement.
0: Yeah, even the Great Smoky Mountains uh, yeah. National Park has a friends group. Uh, uh, in fact, just the other day, I got some sort of notice that they're changing their name. Oh. To, to their, it used to be called uh, the Friends of Great Smokies. It's now called Smokies Life.
1: Oh, That's nice. That's the name of their organization. Yeah. So, yeah.
0: Uh, So, uh, you know, listeners should be aware of these groups and get, get themselves involved in, in these yeah. groups. Uh,
1: I mean, each- city dollars just never stretch far enough. Exactly. Or federal dollars, for that matter. Um, and parks are an easy place for government to cut, and they have. Right. Um, because the damage doesn't occur for years. You know, if you cut a little bit this year and next year and the year after, the real effect that you're going to see is ten years down the road, not tomorrow.
0: You know, and the honest truth is that parks and recreation directors have a lot on their plate, yes. and fun and 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 the skill set is a little bit a little bit different from from what you do. Fundraising, Certainly. you know, putting fundraising and development of relationships with donors and all of that kind of thing that has and, and that's a difficult job yeah uh, and and, and uh, div, you know maintaining a focus on that and and running a, a, a department that includes community centers and everything else
1: yeah very yeah. difficult to do absolutely so, so having these absolutely. organizations
0: is terrific um it occurs to me to ask about about the design of these parks and
1: mm-hmm.
0: do you does the city or do you all maintain the drawings and uh, the, the, the basic oh, yes. uh, the materials?
1: Absolutely, so yeah. Tell us, so, tell
0: us about that.
1: Yeah, it's really interesting. I mean, we have the all the original plans of the parks, the master plans, which include very specific planting plans from the Olmsted firm. Um, it lists the different tree species, landscape materials, all of that. So um, I mentioned that our organization was founded after the tornado. So we were founded in 1989. And the first thing that we did was we raised money and did a master plan for the park system. So it took a number of years, cost about a million dollars, and we use it every single day still. And it focused on the three big flagship parks and then kind of general recommendations for engaging with neighbors, managing natural areas as well as specific things like here's the benches that you should use here's examples of signage that are appropriate for olmstead parks here's the bollards the light post i mean everything is set out and very specific what is appropriate versus not appropriate we have um
0: appropriate meaning
1: uh, so true
0: to is, true to the master plan that olmstead did
1: yes and yeah. his design principles like he always felt like mm, Buildings and structures, <clears throat> excuse me, should take a backseat to the landscape. The landscape should be the primary visual focus. So he would never have a big bright playground with, that's red and yellow and orange, right? He would always go for more muted colors for buildings that kind of blended into the environment as opposed to standing out. So we still do adhere to those principles. And there are things that are appropriate for an Olmstead Park really that um other parks don't have to hear have to adhere to the same standard right Um, right. and i was asking somebody that worked for me um at a friend who wanted to have a tree planted so we have a tribute program where if you want to celebrate somebody you can have a tree planted in their honor or a bench or something like that and i said my friend wants to do an oak tree What kind of oak trees do we have? And he said, well, it depends what park. He said, Cherokee Park, we have six species of oaks that are appropriate. Iroquois, we have nine species of oaks that are appropriate. So it is very specific to the park, what was there and what should remain. So um, it's very interesting.
0: And I saw it on your website. And by the way, listeners, go to their website. Uh, Terrific. Olmsteadparks.org. Yes, is yes, is the you. deal. Uh, go yeah. to their website; it's terrific. I think there's an interface there actually with the city city's website, mm-hmm. uh, as far as mapping and all that kind of thing. So oh, that's ours. Sit. We built it. Oh, well, it's it's yeah. terrific. Yeah. Um, uh, so, p- listeners, go. Um, a- as I was scrolling through that, I noticed that that one of the projects you're involved in is the rehabilitation of a lodge in in uh, one of the parks tell us and about Chickasaw the lodges park. they said that there's four different lodges in the park system i didn't yep. i was not aware what is a lodge and what are you all doing with the lodge
1: sure so um as i mentioned kind of the benefit of this park system is every park doesn't have to have the same amenities and some of our parks have what we call as lodges and they're buildings right so it may have um, a bathroom a kitchenette a communal meeting space So people will rent them for neighborhood meetings. We have board meetings in a lot of these lodges at different times and kind of move from place to place, but they're really used by the neighbors in the community. Um, More of our parks are in the West End neighborhoods of Louisville, which are predominantly um, African-American populated neighborhoods. Because these are the oldest parks, they're really in the urban core. So the majority of our park users are low income, people of color, maybe those without access to reliable transportation. And in those neighborhoods, the importance of these park spaces are far more important because there's fewer choices. So if you wanted to have a wedding or a birthday, you have it in the park because there may not be other places in your neighborhood where you could even have that. Um, or there's not as many trees in that part of town. And so it's more important for these parks in the neighborhood to absorb storm water and help lower or the urban heat island effect. Mm -hmm. So those lodges are really used by the community in whatever way is needed. Um, The lodge that you spoke of is in Chickasaw Park. So Chickasaw Park is about 60 acres. Um, Its most famous park user was Muhammad Ali, who used to train in Chickasaw Park. and this was the only park designed by the olmstead firm during the period of segregation specifically for the use of african americans so it's unique that louisville at that time was investing in nice parks and amenities for the black population during segregation I think it was during the Great Migration when so many African-Americans were leaving the South and Louisville was trying to get them to stop in Louisville and stay. So we had a beautiful Carnegie Library and great Chickasaw Park and plenty of jobs. So Chickasaw Park is really seeing about five million dollars of investment right now. There's a pond there that's being completely restored. The lodge is being restored. We have a huge new natural playground. So that looks different than a traditional playground. Now tell
0: us tell us about what a natural playground
1: yeah. is. So they're fun. I mean, it's like, it's sort of based on this concept that your children would spend all day playing with a giant cardboard box that your refrigerator came in and 30 minutes on whatever the toy is that you spent $50 on. And it's sort of this <laughs> act that creativity is really a driving force so natural playgrounds have logs and um, there may be bales of hay there's different kind of loose parts maybe um, discs that are made of slices of wood things that kids can move around and create things on their own um, ways that they can just engage with a natural area depending on who they're with how old they are and what they want to do um, so it really does involve a lot of teamwork, a lot of creativity and imagination. On the
0: part of the child that's using yes. it. Yeah.
1: Yes. Right. So it's really interesting to see how kids engage with the natural materials at those playgrounds. So that's been a fun project. And then Chickasaw Park is also home to the West Louisville Tennis Club, which is a tennis club that's been around for 100 years. Um, they've seen lots of famous tennis players come through and play there. There's public clay courts at this park, um, which is a unique feature that not many places have public clay courts anymore. You're right, you're right. So we are working with the tennis team to restore the hard courts and clay courts there at Chickasaw park as well.
0: Well, that's just, that's just terrific. Yeah. Now you have, you have other projects, uh, going on that I wanted to hear that, hear about. Yeah. Um, I know that Cherokee Park, um, has a, has an, a major expansion going on.
1: Yes. That's Tell unique. us about that. Sure. So we had a donor who reached out to us, um, because there was 25 acres adjacent to Cherokee park that a, um, seminary school was trying to sell. They had 50 acres and were selling half of their property to raise funds for their programming developers wanted it because it was in the middle of a very nice neighborhood and they could sell the lots for hundreds of thousands of dollars but we had a neighbor who was very concerned did not want to see the land developed nor did we so they made a donation to us of eight million dollars so that we could purchase that property which was significant um so for the first time we are landowners so we own that property we are totally responsible for maintaining it um, we are now in process of developing a master plan for that property we are working with the neighbors different stakeholder groups like the mountain biking community or different neighborhood associations there the seminary that's right next to us has been a part of it to figure out the best use of that space and how to program it and how to invest in it One of our goals is to move our offices there and have that be our headquarters so we'll do that um, and probably some really nice trails and things like that so this
0: is called bear grass preserve preserve okay and and is is the intention for it to to be mainly a natural area
1: i think so i mean the you know different parts of cherokee park are programmed differently right there are certain areas of cherokee park where there's a lot of active recreation it's next to the golf course or what have you There's other areas that are much more passive. This property is really in the middle of a neighborhood. Um, It does have Beargrass Creek flowing through it. It's got some really nice woodland areas with some natural trails, so we'll improve those. But really, it will be much more passive use. So probably a walking path, maybe a multimodal bicycle and pedestrian path kind of connecting it to Cherokee Park. Um, But yeah, it'll be a, quiet space for people to really escape city life and enjoy nature.
0: Terrific. Yeah. You know, as we talk about, uh, the management of parks, we're all, we're always talking about a mix of cultural features and natural yeah. features. Um, and I noticed on, on your website, talking, talking about the problem that you were having with a um, buttercup flower. Oh yeah. Um, you yeah. know, and, and, um, when I spoke with Jenny Hannon at, at, uh, at warner parks a couple of years ago the the subject was privet hedge and honeysuckle and uh, yep. winter creeper and those sorts yep. of invasive exotics uh the buttercup was not one that i was was aware of oh yeah uh, so tell us about what not just particularly about the buttercup but what sure. what's going on with with the management of invasives and is that yeah. an issue that's going on in louisville
1: it's a huge issue and it's different in different parks. Mm-hmm. So Cherokee Park, because of the tornado and the loss of tree canopy, created these bright sunny spaces that were the prime habitat for honeysuckle. Right. And the you know, I-64 highway kind of runs next to it. And of course the highway department is notorious for um, getting some invasive species started to control erosion or things like that. Yeah, the so tree of heaven. Well, yes. the, yeah, the, yes.
0: yeah, right. So
1: honeysuckle, just dominated our woodlands. Um, And it was probably about 18, 19 years ago that we shifted our organization. So when we were founded, we raised money for capital projects, for big restorations of um, pavilions or walking paths or whatever it may be. And then about 20 years ago, somebody raised the alarm and said, Honeysuckle is taking over Cherokee Park, and if you don't do something, it's gone. So we, for the first time, really hired a team to work in the parks, and their job was to get rid of Honeysuckle. And as Jenny would tell you and anybody else, you can cut Honeysuckle down, you can get rid of it, but you have to stay on top of it every single year, right? So that has become a core part of what we do, managing invasive species. Um, Cherokee Park now, I have been told, looks better than it did before the tornado because of all the restoration work we've done in those woods. One fun fact I learned recently was that healthy woodlands absorb more carbon than woodlands that have invasive species. That was new to me, I thought green is green, right? Everything absorbs the same way, but it doesn't. So healthy woodlands really are much better, obviously for biodiversity, but also for climate resiliency, which is important in an urban area like that. Um, We do have a lot of winter creeper, you want to miss privet, but that's in Cherokee. Other parks that don't have such close borders with residences have fewer problems maybe with honeysuckle or you know ivy things like that um chafe grass japanese stilt grass those are some things that are coming up in different areas and you've really got to tackle them um and buttercup is spread by flooding and cherokee floods a lot so there's certain areas where we don't even bother because it's you know we could treat it but it's going to flood in two months it'll come back next year So what we're really trying to do is protect the upper areas and the. um, so we're trying to be smart and where we kind of draw the line and protect from this spot up um, when and how. So we've looked at different sorts of treatment methods for different invasive species. You know, they don't all respond the same way. You're not supposed to spray them all with the same thing or the same time of year. And so we really study. We plot it out, we do a lot of GIS um, data tracking. So what we did when we did it and then go back, is it working, does it look good? Um, One interesting project we did uh, this past year is we had a um, program with Kentucky State University where we had uh, goats out at Iroquois park. Uh,
0: look at you guys. That's yeah. terrific. Yeah. So terrific. it
1: was really fun. We had some sections where we did kind of cut stump and sprain and others just cut stump and goats and others just goats. So it was really fun to kind of do that. And that's like a three-year project. Um, but it was really fun to have the goats up there doing their thing.
0: It's a fun thing. And the, and the goats are, are really, um, uh, best utilized where you have Steep areas and and difficult to areas that are difficult to get machinery in and out of.
1: Right. uh, Right. Or
0: even people get in and out of. Yeah. And where they love to eat kudzu. Oh Uh, yeah.
1: Well they they
0: they they will they will munch on that all day long.
1: Wow. Absolutely. That's Um, good to know.
0: Well that's 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 great to hear.
1: Yeah. What
0: other what other projects do you have in the works going on?
1: Um, well another thing that we've done is we've done some prescribed burning in our parks. Um, which I think is probably unique. Not many public parks do um, burns, but we have done that. We had one in, um, I think it was probably December and are hoping to do another one soon. Mm -hmm. Requires so much coordination with, um, you know, air pollution control districts. Forestry division, all that. I mean, all of that, Uh, but that was a really, really cool project for our team to be able to do.
0: Yeah, people don't realize that fire is part of the natural state of things. Exactly. Uh, particularly where you have grasslands involved. Right. And if right. you're trying to maintain an area of meadow, um, you know, introducing some fire from time to time will keep the woody growth out. Exactly. Uh, and, uh, and some of the invasives at, at bay as well.
1: Yeah. Yeah. So that's so been
0: y- fun. Y'all are getting into the pollinate, attracting pollinators. Uh,
1: exactly. Doing a lot well. of that. Um, the area where we had the goats, there were some other sections of that area that had um, so much partridge pea that was blooming. And I mean, it was vibrating. There were so many bees on it. It was like so full of bees that it was like buzzing. Um, So it was really cool. It's great to see the, you know, positive after effect of all of this work. It's really nice to see what a difference we're making. So One Layla, of the do, unique, you, yeah. do, you,
0: do you collaborate in your work with the, the people in uh, Rochester and Buffalo
1: mm-hmm. uh, and
0: the other community and, and uh, New York yep. and, and Boston? And yeah. I guess Seattle too has got- Yeah,
1: a, Seattle a has a, couple a lot of beautiful Olmsted parks out yeah. there. Yeah, so there's a group called Olmstead Network um, and it is a network of organizations like ours I would say that we're somewhat unique and that we oversee a park system and not a park. So right. most of them are focused on one park, Central Park in New York or Jackson Park and, you know, whatever it may be. Right. So there are a few of us that have park systems. Buffalo um, is one. It's Buffalo Olmstead Parks Conservancy. Emerald Necklace Conservancy is one in Boston. Um, and then Seattle has a Friends of Seattle's Olmstead Parks. So... Um, they're not quite as far along as we are. Um, we're probably one of the older ones, I would say. Right. But yeah, do, it's do you quick, all have
0: what? You have like an annual meeting or something like that? Or? There's an
1: annual meeting, and then um, two years ago was the 200. Was it? Yeah, 2022 was the 200th anniversary of Olmsted's birth, so it was the bicentennial, and there was tons of events nationwide around that. Um, but during COVID. The network got really active and it was wonderful because we had weekly calls in the beginning and then monthly calls and it was a lot of. um, Problem solving so you know Atlanta what are are you keeping your bathrooms open or what are you doing and what are you seeing and just really having other people to talk to about their experiences, because it was so similar. And that was a real bonding experience, I think, between a lot of the organizations and we continue to have probably monthly calls if not more and it's been great it's a tremendous network and resource for us
0: well you know it's there there is the national park service maintains a, a list that i found online of of the different parks that olmsted did yeah. and, and it's, the a different, com, it's a lot it's a lot it was not just him but his but his firm which his continued firm. with his sons for yeah. you know years after his death um and I was, I was looking to, to see if there were uh, any notable ones in Tennessee. Unfortunately, really, we don't have um, really? uh, in Tennessee. I, I, they were hired to do, as I understand, an arboretum uh, in Knoxville, mm-hmm. uh, in West, West Knoxville. And mm-hmm. as the city grew, it, the neighborhood grew around it. And then the, the owner of it, it was in private ownership. The ownership wanted to donate it to the University of Tennessee, and the, the university declined it, which is remarkable to me. This is the story that I, that I read. Yeah. And um, now, the, UT does have an arboretum now, but it's not the one that was designed by Olmstead. Yeah. And, and, and apparently, Olmstead had some um, contact with the people in Memphis about Overton Park, huh. which is a wonderful urban park in, in yeah. the Memphis area. But um, the fellow that um, that really did the design of, of that was the same guy that did many of the Cincinnati parks, Kessler. Oh, nice. Um, and um, so, uh, but he was a protege of, of Olmstead. Mm-hmm. So the things really yeah. do look a lot alike. Yeah. Do yeah. any of, of, of the um, Louisville parks, are they on the National Register of Historic Places?
1: Yes. So there's a number of them that are on the National Register, the parkway system, and really kind of the, the flagship parks are all on the national register. Right. And then other ones are within national historic districts. Um, so they are protected as well. Right, well, that yeah.
0: are you are you involved with the State Historic Preservation Office? In, 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 yes, in, yeah.
1: yeah. You know, anytime federal funding is involved in any kind of project, it has to go through the State Historic Preservation Um, organization and there are a lot of protections for our Olmstead parks so yeah we work together quite a bit right and there's funding for restoration projects you know especially
0: for 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 the historically uh, related things in Tennessee we have a whole lot more of the Civilian Conservation Corps and and that sort of thing in fact Norris Norris Dam State Park uh, in East Tennessee uh, many of the elements of it are on the national register.
1: Yeah. And, and that uh, has a level of protection. If you yeah. have land, water and conservation funds that were right. used in a park, right. the whole park is federally protected and has to be maintained as a public park. Right. So,
0: well, Layla, thank you so much for, yeah. for joining me today. It's been a joy to speak with you. Absolutely. Um, I, I encourage really people that. That, that visit Louisville to, to check out your wonderful parks and, yeah. um, uh, Maybe maybe if they contact your office, they can get it. If they're a park and recreation professional, they can get kind of a cook's tour.
1: Yes, exactly. Right, We'd love right. to tour people around. All right. Yeah. Thank
0: you, Layla, for your, for your time you, today.
1: Yeah, I appreciate it. Have a good one.